Hello and welcome to a new and exciting season of Something Rotten. We've been talking about it for uh, as long as we've been doing the podcast and Blake has finally worn me down. We are doing a season on The Last of Us Part 2. Blake, how does it feel to be so victorious? Um, well, it felt great until I realized we're doing a season on The Last of Us Part 2 and we uh, like to put our emails out there and I really fear for my future in terms of <laughs> listener commentary and feedback. Look, everyone, everyone just be cool. I think that's our, our general rule. Historically, for the show. Last of Us fans, normal, chill, and cool about everything. That's right. Uh, we're all going to be super cool about all of this. Um, but we're doing four episodes on The Last of Us Part 2, which is more than we have ever done on a single game, except for Max Payne 3. Our, uh, our, 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 yeah, we did five on Max Payne 3. <laughs> A game that deserves it fully. Um, but this is not one of those. Instead, this is going to be kind of a preliminary introduction ground setting episode uh, on The Last of Us Part 1, as it is now known. Um, and to join us, we have a uh, a very talented writer and journalist, but also, fascinatingly, someone who avoided the game almost entirely until last year. Uh, Nicole Carpenter from Polygon is here. Hi, Nicole. Hello. Thank you for having me. I know this is a very, it's a very unique experience. Genuinely, for someone who is as involved in, like, the game space as you, uh, you might be completely unique <laughs> yeah. in not only having not played it, but, like, not known any of the spoilers, which is, like, the yeah. real incredible thing. Yeah, yeah. And when I say um, I don't know the spoilers, like, I knew that Ellie mm -hmm. lived, you right. know? Like, I knew that that was going to happen, and that Joel did, too, like, because I knew the second game. So I, like, knew but that those was it. things. But wow. that was it. Um, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I just, like, wasn't in... I didn't, I didn't have a PlayStation for a very, very long time, so yeah. I just didn't know. My sister-in-law, who doesn't play video games, played this game before. Oh, shit. <laughs> and do you know did she did she come to it because of one of the things that we'll probably talk about is the last of us has this like monumental reputation it's like this is this is more than other games was she kind of told by someone like you gotta play this yeah yeah it was like this is more than just like a video game this is like the best story ever told in games so she's like okay well like there's a playstation in my house so i guess we'll give it a go did, did you even if you didn't know the like the story did you feel like you were playing it for the first time with all the baggage of, like, the hyperbole? Either way, people feel good or bad about this game. Or did you feel free even from, like, that side of the reputation? I definitely knew about the yeah. discourse. Um, I knew... So my my experience going in was basically, like, that this was going to be, like, a patronizing dad scenario. <laughs> yeah. like that's, that, that, that this is what the game was going to be. Um and so I, I was aware of the yeah. discourse. I knew that it was a polarizing game. Um, but I, and I didn't have any, like, inclination, like, whether I was going to mm. like it or not. Um, because I really just, like, you know, I knew it was a zombie game. Like, I'm not totally into right. zombie games. So, so I was like, eh, I'm not sure. But yeah, that's, that was, that was what I knew going in was like, all right, a sad, patronizing <laughs> dad. We got some zombies, and we've got a teenage girl. Who Can we set live? the the precedent right now, or not set the precedent? Can we establish a rule going forward for this season, Jacob? Yes, and Nicole, absolutely. Nicole, by all means, weigh in. Are we calling them zombies or clickers? Because I'm on the side that they are zombies, but I think canonically well, they're insistent they aren't. 
No, well, clickers, uh, Blake, uh, you you see, are only one stage oh, of the sure. evolution. I forgot uh-huh. the biology. Creatures. Yeah. So they're they're actually called. I was reading. Um, we will we will reference this chapter several more times. But I was reading Cameron Kunzelman's uh, right. chapter on this, and he mentioned in like a footnote, he was like, "The this is the full." They're they're known as like these different things. I, infected is the right. is the. I guess what term. I'm wondering though, and then you is have... are we categorizing them as zombies or not? Because I think we should just say yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Look, right, we're not we're not days gone. We're not going to call them freakers. We're not going to call them <laughs> no, whatever that's else. A thing. <laughs> that's yeah, a thing. yeah. In days gone, they are known as freakers. If we were oh. really committed to the something rotten thesis statement, we would do a days gone season, but it might break this show apart (laughs) (laughs) we are not that committed um so uh nicole you you wrote a review of the last of us part one which was the the third uh release of the last of us game (laughs) um because you had the last of us and then remastered and then part one uh you wrote that last year on polygon people can go read that um i think one of one of the interesting things you said there was that you were you were aware of the discourse and like the fascinating thing about this game is that like I could take that in twelve different it's like the number yep. of discourses about this are right. never ending. You know, you have the kind of the game design discourse, you have the the dad discourse, the the other kind of gender perspective discourse, you have the race uh, perspective, which is something that was not talked about uh, almost at all in the first, like, four or five years of this game's release and has recently become uh, much more uh, poignant and written about. Um, and... And so it's just kind of like one of one of the hard things of talking about this game is just kind of like it's I I don't even want to say influence on the game's industry, but just influence on kind of like how people have been uh, talking and interacting Mm -hmm. with games for the past 10 years uh, is hard to overstate and and really complicated when you when you get into all of the different aspects. (laughs) It's weird. Like, I think. I think in some ways, when The Last of Us hit, it left this crater that was like, okay, this is the path forward for games going forward. And it felt like other publishers adopted that briefly, and then every game just became Destiny instead, because Destiny sold better than The Last of Us. But I think 10 years removed, if we look at it from a game industry perspective, this was the path for Sony moving forward. Which I find like really fascinating in games that like super don't need to be this. Like Days Gone could have just been like a campy action game and instead wanted to be this like gritty thing. And like say we will about Neil Druckmann's writing. I think compared to other game writers, he is clearly a league better in the AAA space. That I think is like one of the unfortunate downsides of the like way this game landed is like the B-rate versions of it that has come out. Does that make sense? I mean, I think it has something that we'll get into is like, yeah, this is just for the past 10 years, this has kind of been what a AAA game looks like, at least when you see those yeah. Sony press conferences. And really, it is it is kind of the, to use their terminology, the quadruple A right. uh, video game looks like because um nicole i think as you reported on like this was one of those things where it's like these games cost 200 million dollars is like something that came yeah. out of yeah. the, the whole microsoft thing which is 
even even compared to where we were 10 years ago just feels uh mind-meltingly expensive yeah 200 million is a ton mm -hmm. right now and 10 years ago it's like you didn't see it you didn't see a game that was being made for that yeah. much like that's not one thing i'm nuts. curious about nicole is like I, so I also, I for Game Informer, I reviewed The Last of Us Part 1, but I came to it with all the baggage of having played it when I was like 19 and like, you know, it'd been one of my favorite games <laughs> for so long, but then I had to like wade through the discourse. And by the time I revisited it improper for the remake, like I ultimately wrote a pretty negative piece about it. And like, you seem to be on the complete opposite side of that. And so I'm curious to know, like, what was it about it that hit so hard for you? Yeah, I think that one of the really special things about this game and coming to it at this point where games are so long <laughs> yeah, right yeah, yeah. now and games like there aren't such I don't come across so many like very linear stories in the type of games mm -hmm. that I'm playing so coming to The Last of Us Part 1 it was such a focused mm -hmm. story um, it had that one path and you take that one path you don't stray off mm -hmm. that path um, and so it, that it was so focused and that like it was a short contained experience like felt really really yeah. different to me um it was so different than any of the you know than most of the other games that i was playing and i think that the industry has moved so far away from that that playing it mm -hmm. last year was like oh okay this feels fresh now yeah. to me like this felt like a fresh experience and that is especially interesting in the context of uh, part two, which is a <laughs> game that when it first came out, one of the things people were talking about was like, oh, my God, this game is long. Yeah. Like, I cannot believe how long I have it's been interesting hearing thing. you say that, because I feel like my cynicism aside, it's like I'm playing Exoprimal right now and I'm weighing whether or not it's like I'll play that game for two hours and forget it exists or be like, do I play this for 70 hours? But it's like it's weird when those right. like even when I don't really care for a Sony like first party game, they always do feel like a breath of fresh air because it's like, well, at least I only have to play this for like 10 to 12 hours now they're kind of ballooning up ragnarok i think i played for 30 but you know what i mean it's like they at least i don't have to weigh if i'm gonna play the next spider-man for 100 hours like Fortnite. you know like <laughs> i do appreciate that yeah it's i mean so one of the things uh blake that you brought up that i had kind of forgot but was like a major point when it came out is that this came out uh the same year as bioshock mm -hmm. infinite mm. which was um another game that I was really looking forward to it was another like I mean when I think about me in 2012 being excited for these things it's like it's hard to overstate how excited I was for Bioshock Infinite uh there has been uh, a lot a lot of discourse sure. about that game as well though really when it came out and I think what's kind of interesting and and like what you just you know messaged me the other day is like over the past five years, people haven't talked about Infinite that much. You know, like, when you're talking about, like, game design trends, it doesn't feel like the linear story-based first-person shooter. You know, Nicole said you were, you were, uh, it felt like Last of Us was a breath of fresh air, but it's like, I can't think of another, like, completely story-centric uh, linear first-person shooter since, like, wolfenstein you know like they are really yeah. not making those anymore and so mm -hmm. it is weird that like of these two titans that came out in that year the last of us seems to have kind of come out on top in terms of cultural i wonder legacy. if it's because like if you like chart the narrative games up to when the last of us lands like 2013 is a pretty crazy year because like tomb raider came out 
that year, which was like way more narrative focused, infinite last of us also grand theft auto 5 which now is like firmly remembered for its online but at the time people were like pretty fucking gaga over that game's story say what you will about it yeah um people loved that game's story and it felt like yeah it turns out grand theft auto 5 <laughs> yeah. did well uh, yeah had, had but it had a very influence. different cultural reception at that point because the online did not ship with the game and then when it did it was like bungled to hell but anyway um you could kind of look at that year almost as like and I say this in big quotes, like the year games became art, right? Because it was like the year where everyone, everyone looked oh, at... <laughs> Poor Roger right. Ebert, can but you it, believe? It, it, it was the year people were looking at games like Infinite and The Last of Us specifically outside of our space being like, what the hell? What's happening out there? It's, it was like this big watershed moment for like taking games more seriously as like cultural art, not cultural artifacts, like pieces of art and culture. And I think the reason maybe Infinite has fallen away in a way that Last of Us has not and now games like the God of War reboot is they uh, are more directly relatable to TV and film than a first-person shooter game. You can consume them in a more passive way as like a normal viewer. Like I, I, I struggle to think like if my mom for example, would enjoy watching me play a first-person shooter the way she would The Last of Us because it is just more directly related to, like, um, filmic language. And I think that is why yeah. it is, like, for many reasons. I think it also has a better story than Infinite, to be fair. I think, like, that... <laughs> yeah. Infinite, we were talking about the race yeah, stuff right I, I, away. Like, that didn't take yeah, five I think, years. But I do think that is one of the reasons why... The Last of Us has tr like carried on, and just games of that ilk have like remained so prominent, at least for certain publishers. It's just like people can watch them like a movie, and the way they just can't other games. Like text adventures and visual novels also have amazing stories. I don't want to watch one. Like I at least need to be pressing the button to flip those pages. I can watch The Last of Us Part Two on YouTube and get like a similar-ish experience. And I think that's like something I've been thinking about recently. Nicole, did you have you watched the Last of Us TV show? I have, yeah. I actually, yeah, I've watched it. Um, it's I before I go to the TV show, I would say my husband yes. um, watched watched me play the yeah. Last of Us Part One. He also hadn't played the game before, so um, yeah, he was experiencing it like as you would a TV show, and he was really invested in the story. Like it was like one of our TV shows. Like I didn't play it if he wasn't there to watch it with me. I want to hear your thoughts on the TV show. My broad take, which I've already talked about in a video, is essentially like it. The Last of Us is a a game that is so clearly uh, aping the language of prestige TV already that for uh for a TV show to then be made out of this game feels uh, almost redundant you know that it that it was just kind of like well of course this works as a tv show the video game is very close in like a lot of the things it's doing to how the structure works but uh did you enjoy it did you have you know feelings on its you know comparison to the game changes whatever yeah i i ultimately liked the show um but I think that, like, I thought the acting was really, really good. I liked that a lot. I love the, I think it was the third episode. The, the third episode. One. Yeah. Or, Bill, Bill? Yeah. We watched, <laughs> we watched their excellent adventure through marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Bill and someone. Yeah, I don't know. Bill and Frank. Frank. Frank, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked it, but I think I, I liked the game 
much better because you spend so much time with them um, that when you're play- watching the TV show, it felt sped up. Like it felt like the relationship developed too fast. All of the relationships developed too fast, I think, except for the Bill and Frank one, because they spent the whole episode, you know, going through their entire life. Whereas this like road trip over the past couple episodes, like you expect yep. more development time there. And so that was the part that stuck out to me as like, were like much much worse than the game because those stories just happened way too fast um actually the one episode i didn't watch was the one with the cannibal cult and i just don't know why (laughs) oh interesting yeah just like yeah i just like didn't watch it that week um yeah i've never seen that one that episode in particular is is very strange because like um like a lot of the show it is uh almost word for word uh and shot for shot <laughs> the game but then they also and it's you know who who knows why artistic decisions are made they make the uh the boss fight at the end where ellie is fighting uh david the cannibal guy like much more um explicitly uh sexual mm-hmm. assault hmm. um which is certainly an implication in the game but right. is not like as spelled out and i was just it was one of the more like uh surprising departures from it because i assumed when making the game they kind of weighed how much they wanted to make that explicit versus not and so uh an interesting and kind of strange episode but i agree in terms of the the character development stuff and it's even like in the last episode they do that thing where um Joel calls Ellie over to like help him with the ladder and Joel is like distracted or Ellie is distracted and doesn't respond and it's like well that doesn't really just like one to oneing mm-hmm. that from game to screen doesn't really work because like in the game you know that you press triangle and Ellie comes over and helps you and then that's <laughs> significant because you press triangle and Ellie does nothing and in this it's just kind of a moment in the script and so it definitely felt like there were times where they were they were attempting to do the same things that the games did but they had like uh the language was much more limited in terms of like their television medium yeah and i think that uh when you watch when i watched that last episode i like didn't you know you couldn't even feel that that traumatic episode Mm. happened like it didn't there wasn't that there wasn't like the weight there of what happened to her i could have just watched you know like it felt like a you know complete series without that episode and i think that stuck out to me because what happens in that previous episode is so traumatic yeah. you mm-hmm. it was shocking to me that it didn't have more of an impact the on tv that show was weird i think one because it proved in some ways the last of us was aping tv very hard it was like oh they could just like pull some of these shots directly <laughs> i only watched like two or three episodes of it and i think it's because i'd played the game enough times that i i knew it you know front and back i didn't really need to see where the story was going to go i also think in large part like craig mason and neil Druckmann might say otherwise i don't think the show was made for us who have played the game before you know i i think they largely didn't care about us i will say the things i found really interesting about it and i do like would love i don't know if i would love this but i would be interested in this is like a spinoff and they've said this about the games before too spinoffs that explore that world outside of joel and ellie because all the moments in like jakarta um the extended opening with joel's daughter whose name is sarah um 
And then the the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, as Jacob called it earlier, uh, the Bill and Frank <laughs> episode of those three episodes I watched. That was all the stuff I was very into because like it could kind of remove the uh, breakneck pace that that story needed to fit that entire game into what six to eight episodes, which feels insane that like they didn't just add a few more to get uh, kind of a slower pace in there. But ultimately, I, I, I had to bounce off it. Like, I just was like, I can't do this story again. And also, I don't think this show <laughs> is made for me. So I think I can sit out and it not be a big deal. But yeah, but it it was I mean, I was truly uh, shocked at how how popular yeah. <laughs> it was, like how successful it was now, because um Second time we're referencing him in the first episode, uh, Cameron Kunzelman wrote a very good piece for Polygon on like how uh, how The Last of Us became, in big quotes, the greatest story ever told in a game, which was kind of tracing all of the factors in 2013 that led up to The Last of Us being the, you know, the thing that it was. And part of it was he was talking about like prestige TV at that time and, uh, you know, how popular zombies were, like The Walking Dead was the most watched and talked about show on television and whatever. And it was like there were a number of things in 2013 that really seemed to, like, coincide to make this such a big deal. And so it just being able to do it again in, like, 2023, (laughs) you know, you can certainly talk about the the post-pandemic uh, world being more more receptive, I guess, to a story about a global pandemic. I almost <laughs> thought that that would make it less appealing, but uh, I, p- people like that, um, you know. But it was like it was wild to see basically all of the non gamers in my life go through the same conversations I have and have almost identical discourse to like when the game came out. You know, about, like, oh, were, was Joel right? Like, were these these things that I kind of assumed as a gamer, I kind of rolled my eyes when people were still talking about yeah, that. Because I was like, man, we've been relitigating that for 10 years. Just just came out fresh into a whole new When, when that culture. first episode, went, or the last <laughs> episode, went live, like an hour afterwards, uh, my group chat with the knuckleheads from back home lit up. And they were like, man, what the hell? What was up with that ending? And I had flashbacks to 2013. I was like, Johnny, listen, I got to explain this ending to you. It's really smart. But it was a whole like, I don't know, man. Like, it just ended so abruptly. And I was like, (sighs) (laughs) I'm doing it all over again. You know, in the theme of rushed story development, I think the, the end of the game is like, better written than the end of the show it's very they're very close but there are like lines that ellie says in the game Mm. that she doesn't say in the show that i like immediately after i watched i watched the whole tv show with my partner who had not uh played the game and immediately after finishing it i was like look at look at this and i just pulled up the ending of the game and she was like that hit better you know the like there's there's some stuff even though i think you know as as you said nicole the acting is great i think bella ramsey and um pedro pascal do a great job um but it's like there's something there is some juice in the ending of the game that is i think the most interesting part Mm -hmm. of the whole story is is where that ends and i think the tv show just like did not quite nail it in the way that the game does do you think it's because of the weight of you being joel like you shooting those people it's like feels it felt like so much more heavy because like you know all right this is shitty 
you know this is yeah. bad. I mean, one of the like mechanical things about that is like it robs you of choice, which I think is like it's yes. it's you know for as much as it apes film and TV, film and TV cannot rob you of choice because you're controlling Joel, but ultimately he is like in the world has his own brain and actions. And I think that does make that hit way harder than if I watch Pe- Pedro mm-hmm. Pascal do it. And it's like, you know, there's that, there's, there's that re- like separation that I think TV and film, radio, book, whatever, just cannot fill in the same way games can. So I totally agree with you, Nicole. Yeah. I mean, and the, the end is, is one of the uh, two sections in the game where you do, uh, explicitly control mm-hmm. Ellie you know that is mm-hmm. that is another change yeah. is at the end and so it is the kind of like playing as her realizing that she's finding distance from Joel but they're also I mean they're they're just like it is really a a writing thing for me where like Ellie just has a line in the game where she's like I she essentially says like I've been waiting for yep. my turn which I think uh. makes me what I guess is maybe didn't come through for me Mm. as much in the show is just like it needs to be really clear what ellie would have chosen in that Mm -hmm. moment for the the kind of Mm -hmm. betrayal to read as as a betrayal and i think that people you know and i've had 10 years to think about it so maybe it's just like that plot point is more obvious to me than when i immediately finished the game um but like i I think that needs to be really clear, and it is obviously integral to the plot of The Last of Us Part Two that she would have done that. Mm-hmm. And and the TV show, the the ending is just doesn't. It, it, I don't think you end it being like Ellie wanted to die yeah. in the same way that you do end the the game, and that's you know that's everything. That's that's like that's I, uh, what it's all about. I think skipped over in conversations about the ending of The Last of Us though is for how totemic and great of a moment it is. It is like a shot for shot copy of the road like down to that line is like basically like the road ends with this huge moment of the kid looking at someone and be like okay it has a completely different context and meaning in that film and it's a more positive ending but Mm. it is more or less a copy of that exact same ending with well like even though the meaning behind it is different a like huge narrative fucking gut punch where this is is like a child saying that shot, okay clo- like close up here of a kid going okay <laughs> it's fucking the exact same thing i mean so when when the game came out one of the things that was really exciting to me was people referencing yeah. uh, the road as as mm. like a you know cuz as i spent a lot of my kind of early teens fighting to be like video games are art pay attention to them you know like they're they're worth talking about and whatever and and so being able to be like hey the people who made this game are referencing Cormac McCarthy was like very exciting mm-hmm. for me to to be like this is real art like as you know in the way that you said where it was like the the year that games yeah. became art um because and and this is i think the you know the expensiveness of this paired with its its literary ambitions are are kind of what makes it because obviously there had been lots of of smaller independent titles whatever before this that had been doing all sorts of interesting story stuff but it is like it it's the money and the so the good writing i think combined. it's actually that first thing i think games have been games games <laughs> were literary for decades before this it's just that their fans yeah, yeah. weren't literary before this 
Well, that's reductive, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. In large, broad strokes, the audience wasn't as literary. I think The Last of Us stands out in that way, and why the like literary influences are more apparent is because it broke beyond the immediate audience to people maybe with a more um, literary backgrounds, you might say, than the average gamer. Um, yeah. But I think it's more the money and the prestige rather than like it being a super unique case because it's hard to like look at granted i haven't played them but jacob correct me if i'm wrong something like last of us part two and not see it's like deeper narrative ambitions sorry silent hill you said last of us part two you know what i'm saying i meant silent hill two that uh one that comes out to me nicole i know you you played it late but like do you remember where kind of as a gamer you were in 2013 like what were your kind of were were you thinking about video games as pieces mm. of art? Were they just uh, fun little digital toys that you liked? <laughs> you know, like like where where were you when the industry was kind of uh, having these conversations? Um, so I let's see, that was ten years ago. I mostly played Halo. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I but the played pinnacle of art. Yeah, the pinnacle of art. Yeah, I mostly played uh, multiplayer, like. Uh, Halo multiplayer. So I I I appreciated games. Um, I played other games occasionally, but the game that I was most focused on was Halo. Um, what would I have been? Twenty ten years ago, I would be twenty four. So I would have been just deciding to go back to college, and it was when I was in college at like 26 or so where I started to be like, oh, I can treat video games as text to analyze like I am doing with books. So I I would say before that, I was just like, at the point in my video game experience, I was like, I'm going to be very good at Halo, and I'm going to go into tournaments, and that was my goal. Hell That's yeah. right. Did you? Yeah. You you no. played competitively, or that was just no, your goal? No, no, that was my goal. I did not play competitively. I played with some pros occasionally, and I was would never, <laughs> never be able to hack it. Never, uh, not even close. Jacob. Where were you? What were you like? Thirteen? Th- Jacob, yeah, you must have been it. a child. I was I well if it was 10 years oh. ago so I was 18 um I had so my first but I did I started gaming kind of late in life or like pro, I played a mm-hmm. lot of flash games as a kid you know mm-hmm. I was I was very like online but uh Nintendo Wii was my first console and then I I saved up and bought a PS3 um and on when I bought a PS3 the two games that I started with were uh Uncharted 2 and Borderlands, which is another interestingly, like, maybe those two games have defined where gaming has gone in the past, like, 15 years, because it's like, a lot of games are Borderlands, and a lot of games are Uncharted now. Um, And so I was, uh, you know, pretty quickly, I was was converted to a a Naughty Dog fan, because playing Uncharted 2, I was like, I certainly have never seen anything that looks like this. Like, that was, that was very exciting for me. Um, and, and so I was, I was very hotly looking forward to the release of The Last of Us. You know, I kind of, I wanted it to be a big art game. Like, I, I, I really hoped that it would be this kind of whatever. And, um, something that we can talk about briefly is, like, Naughty Dog was really selling this as a, uh, thematic Mm -hmm. departure. Like, their, their early trailers for it 
are like there's one where it has like a troy baker monologue about how like the world used to be different over like stock footage of cities which is you know in at that time a pretty interesting like approach to marketing um there is and and blake i know uh we messaged about this earlier there was this uh, like an uh, an e3 demo for this game that is still i think one of the most compelling uh on-stage demos I've ever seen. One of the wildest is... final shots in an E3 demo, too. Like, <laughs> it, it, is, it is this thing that we have talked about, which is it's weird that video game trailers just have the most gratuitous violence you've ever seen, and people are like, cool, this <laughs> is marketing. Violence! Um, but but it's a it's a demo where um you know it's it's a section that basically exists in the game um where where Joel and Ellie are making it through I guess somewhere in Boston um or it's like a hotel or something and you see a lot of uh, the really impressive thing about it is like you see a lot of enemy AI behavior you know mm-hmm. you see like enemies sneak up on Joel and and hit him. There is a moment where Joel aims at someone and pulls the trigger and you can hear that the gun is empty and the enemy hears that the gun is empty. There's a thing where uh, where Joel's about to be attacked and Ellie jumps on someone's back and it's like, oh my gosh, your you know your allies are smart. And then as as Blake mentioned, the like the end of this trailer is Joel and this guy are wrestling uh, with a like a with a shotgun held in between them. Uh, Joel wrestles the shotgun away from him, and then the last shot is Joel just shoots him point blank in the face with a shotgun, and you kind of see his head start to explode, and then it cuts well, to black, which there's is... one crucial moment before, is right before it happens, the guy looks up at Joel and begs for his life. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and so it is this, you know, it is it is doing the thing that the game, you know, does does kind of put a lot of effort into which is like making the enemies seem human and then seeing this you know pretty calloused act from Joel is like it it effectively sets the tone for the game you know like there's there's a lot of stuff that happens in that demo that is a little more magical than would actually happen in the game but like as a tone piece it set the tone pretty well and me seeing that at uh, you know, 16 or whatever, because it, it is two years before the game came out. Uh, I I was I was hooked. I kind of couldn't get that demo I have a really, out of my head. Uh, a pathetic story about me coming to The Last of Us, if you'll indulge me. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I was a really please. big Naughty Dog fan up to this point. I remember watching the Uncharted 2 E3 demo at my grandpa's house on X Play and being like, "Man, fitty, what is what it's is the, the demo building for that? that falls while like, you're where inside in the game?" It. And I was like, oh, I was yeah, like, oh my moment. god, video games have come a long damn way since Pac-Man. <laughs> so I was a huge <laughs> Uncharted fan. And uh, crucially, I was a big God of War fan. The the early incarnations of them, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And God of War Ascension had come out. Great game. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. That's a really good God of War. Um, and it they advertised they had a Last of Us demo on it, but I believe the demo did not come. It, it like took a week or two for the demo to go live. But if you bought the game, you, you got, got like a code it. for it. And yeah. I remember I was in a band at this point, and we were leaving for tour. And not to sound cool, it was not a good tour. It was not a good band. If we were supposed to play <laughs> twenty shows on that tour, I think we literally played six, and the other fourteen just like did not exist. It was terrible. But this is very important to the story. Um, so the day that demo went live. 
was the night of our tour kickoff show in Louisville. So the next morning I was going to be leaving for about uh, three to four weeks. And so I remember like the code was not working and me and my friend Brent, who was staying with me that played in the band, we were like refreshing the PlayStation 3 store over and over. I'm sure it took forever because we were on like Kentucky Burger King Wi-Fi effectively trying to get this thing to load. Loaded, we played it. We are like, this is crazy. So good. I had already had the game pre-ordered, but it was going to come out while I was gone. So we're on this tour, and it's terrible. The band is in the midst of breaking up. I am uh, in the midst of, the, you know, starting the path I would have to take into rehab several years later on this tour. It's a nightmare. Uh, we end up in Florida and effectively get stranded. Like, we just have to, like, the tour should have happened, and instead we're, like, stuck in Florida for a week and a half. And it's terrible. No one is having a good time. Everything is falling apart. My dad goes to GameStop for me to pick up my pre-order, sends me a picture, and he's like, I got it. And I was like, cool. And that became this, like, <laughs> bastion of hope that I would make it home to something good in my life again. And I would look at that picture <laughs> on my old little phone. It wasn't even a smartphone. But so, you know, it was probably like 120p photo or whatever of The Last of Us. I think with my dog, Rascal, at the time. Um, and uh, I would just stare at that all day to be like... This is this is essentially oh. like Joel gazing at pictures yeah. of what the world used yeah. to be being like, I was like one day. I, dude, I was like just on a I was just living a totally reckless life at that point, just being like this band I thought it was gonna, you know, take me around the world for whatever reason, because I was eighteen and stupid. And that band was terrible. So that was never gonna happen. But nevertheless, it was ending before my eyes. So I would just look at this picture of my PS3 copy of The Last of Us back home in Louisville and be like it's all going to be okay one day. And I got home and I played it. It was fucking awesome. I loved that game. Um, yeah. So, and, and it, so it, it, when you played it, it was like, yeah, this was better good. Better than I ever could have expected. I was like, hell yeah. And then the band broke up like the next day. And that was really hard on me, but I still had the last of us. And I, would... you see, I was just going to say, you still have the last of us. That will be exactly. with you forever. Like you can't, that no one can take Dude, that away from I, you. I was such, oh my God. I was so into this game. I remember my girlfriend at the time, God bless her, wherever she is in this world these days. I would make her watch the cutscenes of The Last of Us and be like, you don't understand. Games are art now. And she'd be like, all right, that's yep. great. Well, when they make it into an HBO show, I'll, I'll watch it. But that's that's my memory of The Last of Us coming out. I bet she, I bet she watched the show and was like, I remember. I remember time. having to sit he was right. ugly cutscenes of this game 10 years ago. Yeah, But yeah, that's my story about that fucking game. That is it. That that is yeah. a great story, and I do think accurately sums up. You know, it's like it is. I feel like it's rare for people to be before something mm -hmm. comes out, be like, "This is going to be huge," and then it comes out, yeah. and it is. You know that it that it did kind of live up to all those I, expectations. In retrospect, really have regretted reviewing The Last of Us Part One and like not coming out hot on it because like The Last of Us has occupied, mm -hmm. and it still does occupies like a pretty special place in my heart because of like the story attached to it and also just like i really loved that game like i was 19 when it came out and that game like for a 19 year old that game hits so hard especially in 2013 when like you're not used to games like that um that have been kind of bummed that i played the remake and ultimately like did not enjoy it and did not couldn't like recapture yeah, so, that experience so talk talk a little about like what you were hoping to find or you know that that kind of soured uh for the second playthrough or you know whatever think, like, playthrough it was and i had replayed the game at least one but it was probably only like a year or two later when the remaster came out 
So even then, the last time I had played in full would have been like eight years. And I think who I was at 19 and who I am at 28, 29 was so different in terms of like the kind of art I enjoy and the stories I like am attracted to and like things like this that I found the writing. I still think the story's interesting and good. And I like the setup of the road trip and Joel and Ellie. And I think there's a lot of really solid work there. I guess I kind of had forgotten the part or just was not as um, seasoned enough at that point to kind of see the ways that I think Druckmann was finding himself as a writer. Clearly at that time, he was very talented. I still think he is a talented writer for all his faults and flaws. Also, I I do have to interrupt you to just say I was watching that Mm -hmm. Grounded documentary, which is there's a documentary on making it. Uh, Druckmann was uh, like 32 when directing the game which is a wild thing to think about being close to the age i am now like controlling that number of people and also uh bruce straley also directed this game which is a weird thing that has kind of like Druckmann has essentially assumed ownership of the last of us franchise where he like he co-directed this there was another Mm -hmm. guy and obviously there were hundreds of other people who worked at naughty dog who also made the games not not from from a thousand yard view there seems to be some bad blood there that no one is addressing directly which i find pretty interesting but i think going back Mm -hmm. to it i maybe just didn't know at the time that like Druckmann was really trying to find his voice and i think for all the like ways that game clearly stood out narratively as like just leagues better than its contemporaries when i revisited it i did not find it as uh i guess profound as i did at 2019 i found it like um you know people like to say it's the greatest story in games ever told i found it (laughs) i know it's kind of reductive to say i found it like a kind of mediocre prestige television show and I think part uh-huh. of that comes from, like, I do really love The Last of Us Part Two. I think I, I'm kind of scared to revisit it right now. But um, I think it just, there was, it's it's operator error too, right? It's never going to hit the way it did for, for a 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe if I had never played the game before, I would come to it the way Nicole did, like, divorced from all those expectations. And I wouldn't have been as cynical about it. But I think just, like... For whatever reason, when I went back to it, like I was trying to recapture a glory that just did not exist, and I could only see its faults. And its faults don't have to be the defining thing about the game, but like it was all I could see in the moment, which like has really bummed me out in the last year. That it's like I am like, yeah, it's now my memory of it is tainted because of that. And it's like it's still important to me, but it's like I always look back as like what a special game, and also I didn't enjoy it last time, and that fucking sucks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh-huh. I don't know. It is. I'm. I'm terrified to play The Last of Us Part Two because that was a pretty impactful game on me when it came out. So you wanted this season so bad. Look, we all. We all got big talk till it's time to walk the walk, and now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jacob, have you revisited it at all? I feel like I've been in a constant state of revisiting it since 2013 because people never <laughs> right. stopped talking about this game. Uh, but I, the last time I played through it, would have been a long time ago i mean i played i played um left behind the dlc not when it released like oh, yeah. maybe a, a year or two after that and so that was kind of i think i replayed the whole game and then replayed mm-hmm. left behind uh at that point and and i think um blake did you mention this in your review that like left behind is still probably I, the sorry the best i actually part of yeah it? wanted to add because i forgot uh i still think left behind is like fantastic like it, I think, and Nicole, yeah. you were nodding vigorously. Yeah. 
oh god i was like what the heck exactly like this is like how did i not play this until now that's what i Mm -hmm. that was my feeling when i played left behind yes um but i think you know it's like i i haven't i haven't actually gone back to i think i've played the opening hours several times Mm -hmm. but have not Mm -hmm. committed to playing through the whole game again just the just because but i i do think you know like as as we talked about in the beginning there were there were several discourses some of which happened uh, immediately upon the game's release and some which kind of grew the the dadification thing um was you know i feel like when we talk about that we talk about like uh like kratos yeah. but that was that was in 2018 and this was i think the three main ones were um the last of us Bioshock Infinite and the Walking Dead uh, Telltale game were all games about uh, gruff men escorting uh, not their daughter across uh, some hostile You know, this territory. might be a bad take, but I think a, a better dad game than all of those is actually Michael and GTA 5 trying to figure out how to be a parent of <laughs> genuinely terrible children. I think that's a really interesting na- plot point in that game. Yeah, the problem is they uh-huh. made all the kids too good yeah. in these games. Like, you usually see, like, usually the dad is the problem in these, and in GTA 5 it's kind of like, no, it's actually his son is the problem. He just sucks. <laughs> More games should be about shitty children, actually. Um, and so there is, yeah, there's this, this dad mm-hmm. narrative, and I think... Something that we have kind of come to recognize, it was it was so explicit with God of War that it was really hard yep. to ignore, um, was the, like, game developers becoming fathers <laughs> and then being yeah. like, oh no, what if I'm a bad dad? What if I'm spending all my time making a video game? Uh, I should I should make my I mean, game re- about that. Re- really, the um, 2005 God of War was the first dad, sad dad game. Like that was what da- that was what that oh, he is he is no the I mean like literally dad. that is what David Jaffe was writing that game about it's like I spend too much time at work <laughs> so you know it all goes back to Jaffe it always does that freaking moron um, <laughs> Nicole did you have how how did you experience the kind of mm. the dad part and maybe also the you know the patriarchal themes that are kind of like inherent in that. Uh, that kind of theme yeah and i came into the game knowing about that this you know like i mentioned before that that like this was a game about a a a dad and not his daughter on this journey um and i think that the distance from the you know period of sad dad games that came out did help my my like experience playing the last of us part one because i wasn't like inundated with the sad dad games um and so i i do think that that helped me have like a you know i didn't have the experience like oh my god every single game is made by this guy who is turning 34 and like (laughs) doesn't know how to take care of his daughter um so so i so i think that definitely helped the experience but at times like i did see i did feel that the patriarchal overtones like you mentioned of that sort of relationship and also just the general idea that you don't that that so many games are about or where you're playing as this white sad yeah. dude like even outside of like being a parent or having that parental um experience like it's still a game that has 
an experience that is like so well shot in mm-hmm. game. You see that so much. Um, one thing that stood out to me about this game, though, um, when I looked back at it, I, I, I watched some clips of the graphics, the footage there. And one thing I think that they improved on so mm-hmm. much, and I think that helped cre- them create better female characters is that they like upgraded the models that they yep. used you know i think that in the last of us part, part one like the mm-hmm. original um all of the women had the same face literally the same like and even ellie like she's a kid like they tried to make her like kind mm-hmm. of like a hot you know every every woman in that game had the hot girl had like a hot girl face and, yeah, it's um, when you look at them next to each other, it's like Ellie looks like a cartoon in the original. Like her eyes are so big, which is good for her being expressive, but it's like yeah, she doesn't she doesn't look like a real person. No, no, and and all of the women literally you could take their hair and their like body away and they all had mm. the same face. And in this game they did such a good job making the women characters feel like they actually had their own models and that like you know they put in the work to differentiate characters in a way that like the first when i looked back at the footage i was like they're literally the same exact face like you copied and pasted that face it's it's interesting watching uh i mean thinking thinking back to kind of what i remember and like watching the the grounded documentary where like for the time there was there was a lot of stuff i mean for someone who was like uh a feminist on Tumblr in 2013 <laughs> or whatever, you know, like there was stuff that was uh, was exciting about this, you know, that that it, it got very publicized that like Naughty Dog found out that they hadn't had any women QA testers. And so they like went back and they were like, no, this needs to be uh, tested with women. And I thought, oh, you know, that's that's good. And and there were uh, in Grounded, there's a funny section where very clearly the uh, interviewer asked, what do you think about strong women characters? And then they have, like, all of the women in the game being like, I think it's good to have strong women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there is there is a lot to say. I mean, like, Ashley Johnson uh, talks a lot about how she's not playing kind of the typical video game lady of this time who is, like, sexy and has no internal anything uh and blake and i are are uh, have just finished playing through no more heroes which is a game that has a lot of that so it's like you know she's yeah. not wrong the the video games have not done well with women and and pretty famously don't. uh i think sony was pushing them on the original key art to put joel up front and center and naughty dog like mm. had to push yep. way back to get ellie up front and center and i think their argument was like she is the main character which is more or less true but also was like we're trying to buck this trend where it's like let's put the woman up front in the game um i think they talk about that in grounded also really quick um grounded is on youtube at this point for free i believe it also comes with like all the new copies it's like a sony like created thing so doesn't go into all the parts of game development you want it to but i think for like a first party documentary it's worth seeking out it's an interesting time capsule of like naughty dog and video games at that point and it's like it's cool yeah it's like feature length too it's like an hour and a half it it is yeah essentially the prototype for like the god of Mm -hmm. war one that they did a couple years ago um yeah i i watched i didn't watch the whole thing but i watched a, a lot of that last night um you won't find something that the the God of War documentary has that this one does not at all is any discussion of um, it being hard 
Um, you know, and it's like Naughty Dog is a studio that around The Last of Us Part Two became very famous for for crunch, for kind of like poor employee experiences. Um, this game famously had like a ton of it thrown away. They kind of got to a point in development and decided that it wasn't working and they, they tossed it out and started again, which hard to argue that the game didn't probably benefit from it, but it's like that does not happen while uh while maintaining normal work weeks and whatever. So it's like there's not much writing about what it was like making The Last of Us uh, one, at least as far as I've been able to find. But from everything we know about video game development, like Crunch ate a new thing, you know, and if they were doing this so hard on The Last of Us Part Two, it is almost uh, a certainty that they're doing uh, it here. I have a big question. Well, we let's let's leave it to AAA only. But is The Last of Us One the greatest story ever told in video games? <laughs> I don't mean that too cynically, because I think my answer, despite my negative feelings about it, would still be like, yeah, kind of one of them at least. Like, I think it's worth talking about in like co- the context of when it came out and all the games that came out later that were trying to like steal a little piece of its pie. Nicole, I'm super interested in you coming to it 10 years later as well. Yeah. I think that um, coming to it like 10, you know, 10 years later, like we've seen a lot of growth in storytelling. I don't know about in Yeah. I'm sure there was growth in the AAA space, but like there are so many really really well told stories elsewhere as well so that i didn't come into the last of us thinking like this is the greatest story ever told like it wasn't as it didn't feel as influential i think as it probably did when it came out because yeah like i think that at that time you didn't see stories like that so and, and i think you can see the influence of the last of us in video games that happened after that as well um and i and that obviously i, I it didn't happen it, it would never happen now because it's the game that's been released yeah. times um <laughs> it's it, there is that question of just like what is triple a um mm-hmm. obviously i think shadow of the colossus has a better story than this you know i think silent hill 2 has a better story than this video games used to cost less and so it's like silent hill 2 was a triple a game for the playstation 2 but that that distinction of like what triple a means is uh, is very different um than than what it meant when it was coming out for i think it's an interesting question like i'm not trying to create a farce here because like that is the way the game is talked about still 10 years later so it's like is that true? Do we think it's true? I think probably. I think we can all agree Yakuza 0 is the greatest story of video games ever told. But I think <laughs> The Last of Us Part 1, it's like, it has probably earned that through some degree just by being like pretty fucking good and most video game stories being pretty fucking bad. It is like, it has created, I, I, sorry, Jacob, I think it is at least created mm-hmm. an attempt a better storytelling whether or not anyone has necessarily achieved that is up for a personal debate but i do think it at least like created this moment where people are like we should maybe start taking things more seriously which discounts a lot of like great stories and other video games that came before i mean it's you know it's like bioshock came out for you but i think that's it's that, in a similar you know, place and right like i think bioshock paves the way to last of us and the last of us paves the way to like whatever games come in, come after like yeah i guess 
what my my frustration with the last of us and it's like it, it's hard for me to talk about it divorced from what it yeah. means in the games industry is like i kind of think that it is the it it is the clearest inflection point for me of like we just need to start spending as much money as we possibly yeah, yeah, can yeah. on the graphics like that's that's what this game is is to me and it's like i I agree that watching those cutscenes at that time felt unbelievable, you know, and and still, I, I think the the strongest part of the game are the character performances. I think the the actors do a good job. I think the animators did an exceptional job animating them. Um, but it is it is this this uh, good story by kind of uh, presentation versus good story by because it's just like i just don't think i think the plot beats are yeah. interesting i don't think they're not but i you know like i i don't think the game works if you don't have as much money as you do going into what the faces look like and i think that's you know that's kind of what makes it the greatest story because it's just like the last of us as a text adventure you're you're so, just going to notice all of the things even more clearly that were already issues with the story when the game came out but i you know i do think i i don't think it's a ridiculous question and there certainly are many many people who would still say yes you know that that like this was as you as you said like this was the moment when people started kind of i i also attention. i don't know if this is gonna make sense i don't necessarily mean my question in like an overtly positive sense but like also the cynicism of it being one of the greatest stories ever told in video games does get us to things like video games now just have to cost $300 million and all hit like the same narrative beats of The Last of Us. Like I also mean the question in a cynical way where we get something like Days Gone, right? Or we get like parts of games where you have to push up and walk as the game just talks at you for a while. Does that make sense? Am I making hey, any sense? Describing Dear Esther and <laughs> I love I that game. Am I making any <laughs> sense or am I just like talking out of my ass? Yeah, no, it's I it holds it holds the cultural place yeah. as uh -huh. um as the the greatest game ever. Um you know, I think uh we'll, we will talk about this this more as time has as like as the series goes on. Um you know, immediately there was there was a a kind of criticism about like uh fridging mm, yeah, yeah. in the game that that like Joel immediately has an important woman in his life killed, not his wife, like Max Payne, but his daughter, and it's the kind of like death of a death of a girl to motivate the main character. Hold on, Max um, Payne also more... had a daughter that got killed. Let's not forget. Let's not forget okay, the lore. Yeah, he got he double. Let's, let's not forget about Max Payne one. Okay, his daughter also died. That's right. Um, I think more um more novel to me just because it did not happen at the same time as the game's release is there has since been a lot of literature talking about um the use of or or kind of denial or whatever of race mm -hmm. in this game because um the last of us is very it is very cognizant of like gender politics you know a lot of a lot of the game is like hey how is it different being a woman in this world you know how does how is ellie's experience different than joel how is tess's experience different than joel all of that um it is pretty much race blind in the text where you could read the characters and if you did not see them you would not necessarily know that they were any any race at all um however the last of us is a series that uh many times will uh 
kill a black character horribly and then just immediately cut to black is is like a thing that happens weirdly over and over in this series it happens in this game with um with sam and henry and um marlene and we don't see her die but um what's what's riley's uh like riley um all of them and and as um as cameron wrote about in his book it is this kind of like using the cinematic language of like to cut to black essentially meaning like as soon as they're dead their character stops existing at all and their only purpose is to like motivate the white characters who keep doing things um which as a as a 17 year old playing this game i did not think about at all but now i find a really fascinating kind of like approach to to uh, talking about this game and and just the ways that it kind of it is like post-apocalypse society is dead but it is still kind of replicating all of these societal problems that we do have now in our yeah, present yeah. world uh, what is can you tell people what the name of cameron's book is i don't think we've actually mentioned it. cameron's book is called yes his book is called the world is born from zero um specifically he has a character a a, a character a chapter called anti-blackness and the aesthetic grounding of speculation that um that he writes about this a lot and there are also let me just find um uh, uh treandria mm-hmm. Rooseworm um has also written about this a lot in a piece called dystopian blackness um there and we'll we will talk about this more as the series goes on but i just kind of want to introduce it now because it is um it's a lens that i find uh, really interesting to look at these through especially given how i didn't see it at all in you know the first five years of this game's release should we wrap it up any closing thoughts yeah i mean well nicole we don't want to spoil things but you have played the last of us part two um do you wanna i guess what were you hoping for after playing part one did you first of all did you want a sequel because when I played it and saw there was part two, I thought, I don't want yeah. more of that story. They nailed it. Yeah, that's exactly what I felt. I thought, you know, and what I liked most about it is that it was this very contained story. Mm-hmm. And it it worked like that. Um, and then it didn't need a sequel. So when I played The Last of Us Part Two, I was... I said this before we started recording, but I was shocked by how much I hated it. Um, because of the length i think that they they did something so special with the last of us in creating that really focused story that coming to this was like i got to you know yeah i don't know how to talk about this without spoiling it but i got to like the first part where i thought the game was going to end and it was like double that and more after (laughs) Uh (laughs) double and a third basically Yeah, I, I was similarly playing it while my husband was watching it with me. And we were like, it was like, I don't know, like 12 p.m., like definitely past mm-hmm. my bedtime. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep playing despite that, even though I'm very tired, I'm going to be, you know, I'm like in my mid-30s. I'm going to be very <laughs> tired and feel very horrible tomorrow for staying up too late. <laughs> and um, I was like, yeah, I'll, but I'll be able to finish it tonight. It's like, no, it lasted like I kept playing until like four o'clock in the morning and I had to stop because I was like, oh, this game's like actually not going to end for like dozen, a yeah, dozen yeah, yeah, more yeah. hours yeah. maybe. It is, uh, I would say, egregiously at best, criminally at worst too long, despite how much I like it. It's obscene. Yeah, I just got totally disinterested yeah. um, after like that first part where I thought That's it was fair. going to yeah. end. 
some something that we actually we should talk about before the ending of of this podcast is the ending of the game because this is still kind of the thing that like I think I think if it had ended a different way people would not talk about this game 10 years later as much as they do. And so Nicole when you when you beat it what was your kind of like I don't know. It feels so simple to be like, what was your read on the situation? But like, you know, what what were you kind of thinking in terms of like, this is what it means for the characters with that final Joel hospital sequence and then Ellie's kind of like questioning him at the end? Yeah, um, I think I thought it was an interesting ending, of course. Like, and I totally agree that if something, if it was different, people wouldn't have talked about this. It was a really impactful ending. Um, I think that the series creators have like talked about it being a move that was based in love, um, love for Ellie, Joel's love for Ellie, whatever. And I didn't experience that at all. I was kind of like struck by the intense trauma and grief of. Joel's entire life that brought him to make that decision and that like the idea of it being driven by you know maybe it was driven by love but like the I just felt like so much of that decision was like based in trauma and the trauma of his life up until that point so I was very struck by that I thought that was really really interesting um and to leave it at a cliffhanger like that. We're like, oh God, like we don't need a sequel, but we're definitely going to get one. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think that, I think Jacob, you were talking about this before that one of the parts was that it was so clear in the game that this was Joel taking Ellie's agency away. And um, that that was like, okay, that this game is acknowledging that was very very interesting and like yeah. very surprised it was surprising to me blake how'd you feel about, about the it? ending of the original game that was awesome yeah i said hey that's how the ro- i said <laughs> and dusted i said hey that's how the road ended that's pretty cool it's not <laughs> true i saw the road after the last of us um no i thought it was cool um i don't know i think it like i still think it works as a pretty um bold choice to just mm-hmm. Because it's unsatisfying, right? And I think that's what, like, re- that for the same reason, a lot of people really love that ending. I think an equal number of people are really kind of put off by that ending because it, like, makes an active choice to not be um, satisfying. You are kind of left with a pit in your stomach, feeling a little queasy about Joel's actions, you know, the, the kind of, like, um, this dilemma games face all the time about whether they should give players agency or not in key moments of the game. Like this game is uninterested in that Joel is going to, even if you don't make the choice to be uh, a murderer in the last moment, you still, you know, rob Ellie of her autonomy and what she wanted in that moment. Um, that I thought it, I, I was really interested in um, when I came, when I first came to it and I still like appreciate now is like kind of the bold choice to, at the 11th hour recontextualize that story to be like don't get it twisted joel was kind of the bad guy here and one of the i I, one of the flaws i think of like a lot of readings of this game is joel is the hero when i think it's like especially by the time you get to the last of us part two which like is in its opening hours if not through the entire runtime about reckoning with joel's actions as the villain of definitely some people's stories um i think i think that's it was an interesting choice in that first game to be like yeah you kind of were playing the bad guy the whole time yeah it's this series feels 
it almost feels like people's attachment to Joel breaks this series. Yeah. You know, like like the the inability of people to kind of step outside their their uh, affection for him as a character or their connection to him is is like the I'm sure I will say this uh, many more times on this podcast. Uh, rarely does a take frustrate me more than the uh, they wouldn't have been able to make a cure anyway. Right. Reading it's of like, this what game, are, which is what are we doing here? Like, shockingly it's popular. Yeah. yeah, because it's just it's just like well, then the story like has no emotional arc. You know, like then it then it means nothing. And obviously. Uh, Joel thought it would. You know, Joel did not make the decision that he made because he thought they would never have been able to make a cure, and he literally says uh, that in in the second game. But um, I, you know, it's like it is this this interesting moment where it, like it's asking you to do something, and I think one of the one of the reasons that it's so like uh, weirdly contentious is like people are just so so attached to Joel that they like almost can't experience the plot point maybe as it was intended which i find really interesting in terms of the experience that like people have with art but very frustrating as someone who like values readings of stories right well it's like it speaks to a broader issue with media literacy around games right like where it's a fundamental misunderstanding that it's wrong that Ellie was denied autonomy, and yet there's a huge contingent of this fan base that believes Ellie should have been robbed of autonomy in that moment, which is like, well, why were you playing the what were you thinking the entire time you were playing the game? Like it's it's such a bizarre like way to look at the game that seems to like completely misread the text. And I think maybe I don't know how much of that you want to fault of the game itself versus the audience. Like if it's 50-50 or 100% weighted towards one way, but it is like very strange that like a lot of people just miss like cannot see kind of a very blatant point at the end of that game. Yeah, and it's I mean it is something that we are going to talk about uh way more with The Last of Us Part 2 probably. <laughs> yeah. Um but that will be for the following episodes of this show. Um Nicole Thank you so much for yeah. joining us on uh, us setting off on this journey. Uh, Blake and I both really loved your uh, Last of Us Part 1 review. And I think if you've listened to this and haven't read it, uh, go read that. It'll be Is in the description. Else? Yeah. Anything else you want to plug? Talk about your work. You're uh, a really good investigative journalist as well as someone who writes about video games uh, yep. as reviews. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't know my my twitter which is maybe not as relevant i was at sweet potatoes Mm -hmm. um let's see the other thing that i can say about the last of us to close close out my thoughts is that when my mom came into watching the tv show after the first episode she was like wow this tv show show is so great i'm so glad that there's going to be a cure eventually and i was like oh (laughs) oh no (laughs) oh (laughs) oh no yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. Nicole, actually, I have a final question. Okay. Does it feel cool to have at sweet potatoes? I've always seen that uh-huh. and thought, like, damn, that's a cool tag. Yeah, yeah. So I made that tag um, when I got my PlayStation, or sorry, my Xbox 360. It's been my gamer tag since I got that. Wow. Um, so I just made it my Twitter handle at that time. I get a lot of messages and, like, um, uh notifications at thanksgiving time um 
A lot, actually. Where, and where people are just like, shout out at Sweet Potatoes, <laughs> you're the yeah, greatest. Yeah, and like thinking like they're tagging Sweet Potatoes, like, love my Thanksgiving Sweet Potato Casserole. It's so oh, good. So yum, yum, yum. <laughs> um, yeah, but actually recently I got tagged in like some someone talking about Sweet Potatoes and like their health benefits. So I like learn a little bit, learn a little bit through having that tag. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, devastated that I'll never get it on any other platform. No. So. Well... Thank you for coming on Something Rotten. Yep. Uh, that'll do us for this episode. Uh, Blake Hester and I, we're just going to find a reason to keep on going. And that's that's <laughs> what you got to do, right? Okay. It's like the ending <laughs> of the game. That was the joke there. Good. Oh, like the road? Yeah, kind of like the ending of the road. Thank you.